You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassfin Securities in Johannesburg. David, a couple of sets of results came out today. In fact, not sets of results, there was a trading update, another one from Sassel, the share price doing absolutely nothing on the back of it. Um, yeah, I think maybe the market had had already anticipated that this, that this was going to happen. Um, they don't give a lot of detail around the uh, why the numbers will be down and what's going to push them down, merely referring to... Uh, the kind of restructure or issues that uh, delayed the account. So there's not a lot of there's not a lot that you can get your teeth into and, and understand. You know, from my point of view, okay, well let's give them one six months. Next six months, things better happen. I think a lot, of, Lindsay. What's interesting is a lot of analysts are far more optimistic than the than is being priced in at the moment. And I think that a lot of the optimism comes from a time when Lake Charles is going to start producing cash and earnings. And I think they are discounting that to today's price and saying, look, if they do meet those targets, then the share price is is, uh, quite reasonable. But there's no guarantee what lies ahead. So I think the market's still hesitant and says, well, let's wait and see for the next couple of years when they bulk up and get those kind of results. So there's still the jury's still out in, in Cecil. And, you know, they're still trading below 300. Yeah, 282 as we pre-record, David. Uh, what would you do with it, if, if anything? I, 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 it doesn't interest me. You know, I don't. Um, it, it's too uncertain. There's there's too many doubts about it. Uh, I admit, if they can ramp up uh, Lake Charles and they can get a lot of other issues right, then there could be something there. But I, I, you know, you've got time on your side. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to rush into this one. And we've been let down on so many occasions that. We're not sure what does lie ahead. Okay. So I, yeah, you know, there, there are plenty of others. You want a decent, you want a decent oil company or gas company. You can go to Royal Dutch Shell and get a seven percent yield. Yeah, very true. You know. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a good point you've just made. Let's have a look at uh, Pepcor, if we can, because the thing that really startled yeah. me, I mean, they're a respectable set of numbers, mm. not too bad. Mm. But what startled me was that they opened 338 stores in the period. Yeah. I, I was <laughs> mentioning, that's almost one a day. They've now got nearly 5,500 shops. It's massive. I, know. I, I also realize that the number of 338, that's almost, that's more than one every working day. Yes, indeed. And... Uh, which is it was just quite incredible, and you wonder where they find the locations and how they actually coordinate that. You know, I'm, it might it's global, but whatever it is, it must take a massive amount of work to actually get those stocked up, connected, computer wise. You know, the logistics behind each store. So yeah, you know, good for them. I mean, for doing that, I I've always liked Pepco as a, almost a defensive play, but. Um, uh, markets, yeah, the market a little hesitant on the share price. It's up one and a half percent on those numbers. They did write off quite a bit on their building side, you know, which doesn't come into the actual number to the headline earnings numbers. It comes into earnings, so earnings are down considerably because they had to write that off. But I mean, you you can't fault it. It's uh, um, you know, it's doing okay. I I think the danger, Lindsay, is that they're at the bottom end of the market, the low end of the market, and that's where the layoffs are taking place, and that's where the stress is. So uh, they do give warnings. You know, they give warnings about what lies ahead, but, you know, they use the word cautiously optimistic about what lies ahead. So um, I'm not sure, you know, what does lie ahead. So 
it's 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 in a tough economy. I read that this morning as well, and it seems to contradict itself. There's one, yeah. uh, one paragraph which is one long sentence which says, "We don't think things are going to get any better, but we're optimistic." So it's almost as I said one thing and then uh, thinking another. I, I didn't quite understand it. Well, uh, you know, there you have to. There you have to go in those conditions. You've got to go steal market share from somebody else, hmm. and that's normally on price. Uh, it means you have to discount. Um, you have to discount quite a lot, and pull your prices down, and that's in order to get the volumes. So I think that's what everybody fears. That, you know what might happen. Okay, Invicta. That was a former darling, and oh. it's fallen, fallen on hard times. Is there any hope there? I don't know. You know. I, Funny, I, I looked at that one. Yes, it's an improvement from last year, but I mean, if you compare it with two years ago, it's been a big, big fall. You know, um, Goldstone has always been a person who's um, who's been very forthright. When you read, it's not a. Uh, you've got to go into the detailed report. Normally, he's quite more outspoken about issues, but uh, he does point out, you know, there's a lack of infrastructure, demise of the construction, downturn in Asian markets drought in South Africa, you know, in the agricultural sector. That's where they sell all their capital equipment on the engineering side, sorry, uncertainty in the industrial and mining sectors, etc. So he does point a rather gloomy backdrop to running this business, which I think we see in Hudeco as well. You know, it's very difficult for them to operate in this in these kind of circumstances. But it's a company I've always liked um, you know, in terms of management, but I mean, if you if you look at the the last um, five years, I was looking at their peak in around about 2014. They're down 80 percent. Yeah, and 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 it's Lindsay. It speaks to it speaks to what's happening in the mining and the industrial sector. You know, we don't understand how that sector has been absolutely devastated and destroyed, and that goes to the construction companies as well. And and to return that around. Uh, you've lost skills, you know, you've, you've lost confidence. It's, it's going to take an enormous effort, and we haven't got the money. You know, we haven't got the money just to suddenly uh, light this up again. So it's, it, it's a worrying, you know, when you read these kind of results, these are really worrying results. Yeah, they are. But uh, again, people, deep value investors will say, look, good management. When the economy turns around, they will be poised for greatness, as they say. Now, then, here's one that came out just over an hour ago, and this, this came from nowhere. And the boards of process, the boards of process and MIH food delivery holdings note the publication earlier today of Just Eat Circular and Takeaway.com's announcement in response to MIH's cash offer for Just Eat in brackets, the process offer. Neither of these documents change process's view that the process offer is superior to the takeaway.com offer and removes the downside risk for shareholders in Just Eat, a business that requires substantial investment to defend its position and capitalize on its long-term opportunities. So am I reading this right? Someone's come in and there's a bidding war going on. Yes, it is a bidding war. And both are going to put down firm offers. And uh, I'm not sure who's going to win. <laughs> But uh, so it's out there. Um, they've got to come with a superior offer and they've got to convince uh, the shareholders to just eat shareholders to, um, you know, to, oh, sorry, that's right. Process will continue to, you know, to tell them to, to reject it. But I mean, that's up to takeaway. You know, takeaway are also going to go out there and tell them why just eat should actually accept it. So, this is a bidding war. This is this becomes nasty as long as Bob Van Dyke doesn't get attracted to overpay, which normally happens because ego takes place. 
you know, ego takes over. Speaking of Bob Van Dyke, he says the following, while historically Just Eat has been a strong business, today it is at an important inflection point. Just Eat's board is now acknowledging the increased investment required and the impact that this will have on their profit pool, mm. but in our view continues to underestimate the severity of the competitive pressure and the urgency mm. of the investment needs. So they're saying that this is quite a chunky deal, but it's going to be even chunkier by the time we sort this operation mm. out. Mm. And maybe it's a bit of a stretch, actually, when you look at that statement. Well, he's, he's actually telling the Just Eat's board that they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying, listen, you boys don't know. That's not really. This is what's going to happen, and you better be be aware of it. So, um, look, it's a fight. I mean, this is this is how businesses are won and lost. And, uh, it, you know, at the end, it comes up to the shareholders. They come down to the shareholders. They've got to decide uh, who they're going to go with and which offer they will go with. I suppose at the end, they will accept what's more attractive to them. You know, once they accept an offer, they're gone. <laughs> yeah, true, true enough. Anyway, that's, that, that is I, one to I, watch. I, I it should be know. very interesting. I, hmm. I don't know enough. I, 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 I don't know enough about delivery. You know, I see a lot of chaps here who are becoming menaces on the road, dig in and out of, you know, the equivalent of the taxis delivering food. And I know it's very popular and it's a, uh, uh, it's becoming more and more popular delivery of food, but is it a kind of business that's sustainable? What what is the cost of entering that? That's what always worries me when I look at these. What is the actual cost? Bob van Dyke says, listen, it requires huge amount of capital investment, and therefore you do need uh, you know big deep pockets. But uh, I just look and see how difficult is it? You know, it's 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 not a. It doesn't appear to me to be a very, very high-tech business that's going to change the world. But anyway, he knows more than me, and I, I have to concede in this respect. Yeah, I mean, maybe the system's in the background. It sounds easy. You know, you, you, you phone mm. up somebody or you, you order it online, a bike goes off to your chosen restaurant and then comes around half an hour later with a, with a chicken curry or something. Mm. But the systems behind it, there must be something more to it than what we've, yeah. what we've just speculated upon. Yeah, yeah, and you need you need mass. You know, you need mm. global mass or critical mass uh, to make it a business. And Uber's still battling with it. Um, so must, you know, I, I, let's see what happens. He's he's you know he believes that it's a very good business, and well, you know, we we've got to go with him. That's what makes stock market investing so interesting. You know, you've got to you've got to take a calculated bet. Mm. What else are you seeing, David? It's getting to that time of year now where I think most of the results yeah. are out and we're drifting into into December. Mm. I, I noticed the S&P futures, uh, they're going to be, the real market will be open in 15 minutes' time, but the futures are uh, very close to all-time record highs again, up 9, 10 points, and keeps on going, as, know, as we say. It's, you know, we're looking into New Year. Yes. We're looking, and this is, this is what we're consuming at the moment. Uh, all the major houses are now coming out with how they see 2020. And to be honest, I think, there's there's an element of fatigue. You know, it's, there are no new stories. It's very hard to get uh, enthusiastic about it simply because it's being held aloft by very low interest rates, low inflation. There isn't growth. Um, I've, I'm doing quite a bit of work, and if I had to summarize it into a soundbite, it's buy equities because you're not going to get yields anywhere else. You know, your yields are going to be very low. And um, it's 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 almost well. This is the best alternative is is to buy good dividend yields. But there's so many things that we're going to be aware, cautious of. You know, we don't know where the election in the U.S. is going to go. 
if you do get Elizabeth Warren or a, uh, um, what's his name, Bernie Saunders, you know, who's going socialistic, um, then all the tax, tax uh, even the Democrats come in, all the tax uh, concessions get reversed, um, tax cuts, and so many things can happen that you've got to literally play it day by day as we see in Brexit. So it, it's, it's not easy. I think if we'd been in the market, and you've got a little bit of, uh, you know, you've made profits or you've got some margin behind you. It's easy. If you're entering for the first time, I think it's a very difficult period uh, to go into the market. Yeah, it is. Uh, talking about the U.S. race for the presidency, uh, Michael Bloomberg has thrown his hat into the ring mm. as well. I wonder, he's, I mean, he's got so much money. I just wonder how much credibility he has apart from the money aspect. I, he's got a lot of credibility. He ran New York very well. Mm. He was a very popular mayor. And a very centrist, you know. He was in the middle. He did, he did for New York what New York wanted, you know, what New York needed. Should I say this way? And uh, he was a he's a very good uh, speaker. He's liked by the business world, and he's not Bernie. He's not uh, Elizabeth Warren. He's somewhere. He's someone who can take on uh, Trump intellectually, and or in fact, I don't think you need to be that clever. But nevertheless, I think he's. You know what I mean? He can stand up and actually um, challenge him with facts. Not only that, he's five times richer than Trump, maybe mm. ten times richer than Trump, you know, depending. His worth, we know, which is close to $55 billion. So he's no slump. Of course, that's angering the Democrats. Because, you know, I mean, the other contenders, you know, this is becoming a billionaire's club. But, I mean, I, I, I think he's... he's um, He's the kind of person that I would like to see when because he's sensible. And, you know, I've seen the impact in, in New York of what he has done, you know, in the years that he was there. And he, he's really, you know, uh, along the way in New York, he turned it into a really superb city. I know it's gone down a little bit with de Blasio, but uh, still, I think the impact felt of, of his uh, mayorship. Okay, interesting one to watch for the next few months. And David, interesting to see what's, the, what's going to happen in the premiership, or the football, that is, the football premierships, <laughs> a merry-go-round of, of managers. I've just seen the odds. It's one to four Marco Silva to get the boot, which sounds almost inevitable after losing to Norwich on Saturday. It's five to one Unai Emery of Arsenal. It's five to one. Manuel Pellegrini of West Ham and 16 to 1. The outsider mm. is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And he was saved, I think, yesterday by those three goals in seven minutes. Yeah. That was a good, fun game. But uh, I, I still think the, the Pochettino could be going that, that way. Uh, to uh, United. To, 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 that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, liked, I liked Pochettino. And uh, um, I know that, you know, once a team starts losing, as we've seen with Arsenal, just cut your losses. Yeah. You know, he, they've they've lost lost control. I think I've, I haven't seen an Arsenal team as bad as this for years, even under the worst of, of Wenger. And 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 I jokingly tweeted. I said, "You've got Arsenal at eight, um, nine is nine is Man United, ten is Spurs. I mean, what are they competing for? Europa League, you know? That's yeah. it. Mm. Can you imagine that? That's what they're doing. They, they it should it continue like this? Uh, they won't even qualify Europa." Mm. And it, it's really tragic that you can get Sheffield United, a bunch of uh, a newly promoted side, can play with such vigour and heart and, 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 and talent. You know, we've seen it in Leicester. Look at Leicester, the revival. So it's, it's a very strange season. Um, I enjoyed the Chelsea match. I enjoyed that. You know, I thought it was a very pulsating game. Mm. 
And and, and, I, and I, I like Frank Lampard. I've always liked him. I always liked him as a player. And I, I wish him success. He's he going to go right to the it. top. He's going to go right yeah. to the top. Yeah. This is only his, his second season as a manager. Mm. He was with Derby County. You know, he's he's going to yeah. go right to the top. Anyway, David, thank you very much for your time. David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities. And that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Strictlybusinesspodcast.com made possible by Prudential Investment Managers.